Now the game's simple. Best ones are. You want mercy? Play by the rules. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is not here because he's far too afraid to watch a movie like this. This is a special bonus uh, Out Now special. It's our Halloween special. You might have thought we were finished with our October specials of the month, but this is a special, special bonus. A double, double toil and trouble bonus, some might say. This is, um, well, we started this podcast after the Saw franchise had ended. Uh, so we never actually got to talk about it. And I know there are some guests that I have on the show that are big fans of the franchise. I know uh, Scott Mendelson, a uh, friend of the show, is a big fan of the series. Uh, Brandon Peters is a fan. There's a number of horror fans in general that like this series. Uh, but one mega fan that I have with me tonight is a fan of the series, and he really wanted to talk about Jigsaw. I also wanted to talk about Jigsaw, but I knew Abe wasn't going to see it, and we didn't quite manage to fit it into our regular episode for the week, so I figured, why not do this like special real bonus episode to come out right on Halloween that you can all remember <laughs> for the film Jigsaw, and that's what we're doing. Uh, this is out now, which is a film podcast normally, as I you, know, you probably know, but I like saying these things anyway, and that is the plan here. We're going to just talk about Jigsaw, and probably the franchise in general, just because we never really have had much of a full-on discussion of Simply Saw. We've had conversations about horror in relation to the franchise, but that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about Jigsaw. With me tonight to discuss Jigsaw and the Saw franchise, we have from Cal State Fullerton. He wants to play a game. It's Professor Mike Dillon. What's happening? Mike, how are you doing this evening? Good. I'm apparently supposed to do this podcast or saw my arm off, so I'm going to just spend the time with you, I guess. Yeah, I... I mean, you insisted to do the show. I chained you to a radiator. It all kind of works. <laughs> yeah, creepy clown on a yep. trike. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's the plan. We're gonna. Thanks, work. thanks for introducing me as a mega fan. That's quite flattering. <laughs> well, you, you were very excited about Jigsaw, so I, I think so excited about Jigsaw. <laughs> well, well, we'll get right into it. Uh, right, real, real quick, let me do some show notes stuff first up. Uh, as this is our. Uh, another horror bonus. You thought we were done, but we're not. This one's here now. We do have several others that we did do throughout October. If you haven't listened to those already, they're on iTunes and Audible now. We did one on horror adaptations, horror remakes, children's horror, a commentary track for Child's Play, and our tribute to George A. Romero and Toby Hooper. Um, those are all really fun episodes. I was really happy to get all the guests on for those and go for all things related to those topics. Uh, but yeah, so you can find all those now. And with that, that's out of the way. Let's get to it, guys. Let's uh, let's talk. Let's 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 talk about Jigsaw. I get so I we'll, we'll get into the franchise in I want to talk about the film first, I guess. And I think we'll, that'll probably wrap. You know, that'll bring in conversation about the franchise in general. But I want I want to get at least a basic thought you have on the, on this series, and then tell me what you thought of Jigsaw. So the series first. Yeah, just some general thoughts on the series as a whole before you start talking about Jigsaw. Yeah, it's important to outline like where I'm coming from. Which is so. So I have two kind of different relationships to the Saw series. One is a professional one, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before. But my doctoral dissertation had a lot to do with issues of political violence and torture, and we talked about that with regard to like shows like Twenty Four and the the kind of presentations of torture mm-hmm. in, in that. And so the Saw franchise and what what's generally kind of talked about in dismissive terms as torture porn. Hostel, for instance, films like that had a really big part of my research, which was essentially about violence and how it gets coded as entertainment um, during the Bush years, essentially. 
that's kind of that, that's the the context in which I was doing research and getting my PhD. And so I have that relationship to it. But also as just a horror fan, I always appreciated how unique I felt the series was in terms like most horror franchises that perceive this are like every sequel is like a remake. You know, it's like the same killer except a new set of dead teenagers. Mm hmm. And this is the franchise that really went in into interesting directions insofar as that it would reveal something, for instance, like in part six, that teaches you something new about some minute detail in part two, for instance, right? And so all the films started to kind of complement each other and challenge what you thought you knew about the events of the previous ones. And some of the big reveals are admittedly kind of hokey, and we can talk about that. But on the whole, I really loved this interlinking between films like it's like the interlocking pieces of a jigsaw puzzle right that's the obvious metaphor mm -hmm. uh that's in play for the series um and so and i think it's it's worth noting that what that meant was that it was a series that was particularly rewarding for fans who uh could see what they were doing and had stuck with it for so long the problem is that it became gradually impossible for casual viewers to like come and see part five without having seen the other four in sequence. And so that's where I think the series started to suffer from diminishing returns, right? It started to lose its legs. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> because yeah, by, by, I don't know, five or six or seven, they were only attracting loyal viewers and they weren't attracting any new ones. And so that's, that's obviously where they decided to, to, to it reached its terminus, right? I, but yeah, I mean, I would having revisited some of these films, um, which I guess I can get to my some brief thoughts on my I, I have on the series before we get to Jigsaw. Um, I'm not a huge fan of this franchise. I it's not due to a lack of admiration. I I, I mean, I am a huge horror fan, but there's some franchises that just don't rub me the right way. Where like I'm. It's like Friday the 13th, for example, is another franchise I'm just not that into. I know there have its fans out there, but that's not one that I get into. This one is similar where, not similar, but it's the same circumstances where I see where you are coming from. I see where others come from when they, for the things they appreciate about it. And I have a weird appreciation just because I've seen all of these movies. But the thing you're talking about as far as the kind of, the convoluted storylines, the way it kind of interlocks and they all connect to some degree... It, it always comes off as it's trying to be more clever than I think it actually is, which bugs me. Like, it doesn't quite work for... And there's other reasons, too, we can get into, but that's tends to... And there's 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 other reasons I get into also, but that's, that tends to always feel like it's alienating me from liking it more. Like, it, I, don't, I don't know how you would change this, because that's kind of the, the ingredients of this series, is to make it this kind of wildly twisty plot line in the midst of also having these distinct traps that are filled with, you know, very various layers of gore and what have you. Yeah, it, the series yeah. is always juggling things between between kind of pushing a storyline uh that is sort of what interlocking and filling gaps from previous films and kind of trying to twist and upend what you thought you knew mm -hmm. about about previous events. Uh, while also punctuating the stories with these kind of these set pieces, right, of individual traps. And so, yeah, I think some of the twists, I mean, you're absolutely right. That the films are not as clever as, as they think they are, uh, except when they are. I feel like some of the twists are really, really great, and some of them aren't. And some of the traps are really, really kind of great as these spectacles of violence and gore, if you're a horror fan, and some of them aren't. 
you know, so it's a very hit and miss franchise. Um, but I feel very rewarded for having stuck through it because I think like the, the, the series became kind of, um, very devoted to its own fans, but that, that was to its own detriment because they weren't attracting new audiences, but there was a lot of fan service. I feel like, uh, embedded in the, in the structure of just like going back and reinventing or, or adding characters that force you to reconsider the relationships that you thought you were, you were kind of privy to in the previous ones. Like, I, I kind of like that. It's very gimmicky, obviously. So if you're, if you're looking for really structured, intelligent filmmaking, no, that's more about the gimmicks. It's more about the gamesmanship of it. Um, but I, I find that fascinating. I found it very enjoyable and it made me enter the kind of excited and, uh, eager to see every new installment, so I was really bummed when they uh, when they pulled the plug. Well, it's it's weird because like I so the the plug got pulled because essentially paranormal activity started taking over. The franchise was waning because you're you know getting into seven entries and you're like yeah we we don't really need to keep going with this as the the money's not coming in and paranormal activity's making a lot more money and audiences' tastes are even shifting where they're like okay let's see the movie where it's just a camera sitting still for a while and spooky things happen as opposed to the very gory versions that were on the side like regardless of why that occurred beyond just it's a fresh thing for people to you know take a look at uh, it, you can it, I forgot where my main point was in this, but basically, yeah, the the franchise was waning. I I just wanted it to hobble along until part ten, just because um all the titles used Roman numerals, mm-hmm. and so I just thought Saw X would have made a great poster. Oh, I'm sure they'll st- they'll still be able to do that at some point up here. Is Jigsaw making money? Jigsaw had the second lowest opening of the franchise. Oh. Next to, yeah, um, and we'll get to we'll get to more about the various highs and lows of the franchise, both as far as box office and quality. But I do think there's some interesting patterns right. that go on I, with that. I trust I trust you've got that data in front of you because I, I, I know can't. it fairly well offhand. But yes, I can. <laughs> um, I, well, yeah. I imagine it's you know dwindling returns um maybe two or three did really well but then four made a little less five made a little less than yeah, that from, the, from there it did go down and three three i think was like the high point 3d made the most internationally just because it's in 3d so it made sense um but yeah jigsaw opened a 16 million this past weekend which is not high um for a saw film um and the legs your- are like the, the legs likely won't be very large either because thor's coming out for one thing and it's you know themed around halloween which is that's this week, so it's like there's not much room for Saw to keep thriving. Um, so, so we should probably clarify if anybody doesn't know when we refer to Saw 3D, we're referring to Saw Part Seven. Yes, Saw the final chapter, I guess, is another way to say it, which is now also weird to say because Jig, we're talking about Jigsaw, the newest Saw movie. So. Right. <laughs> Always fun to name movies the final chapter. Really helps out in the long run. That's 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 for sure. Yeah. So this one, so. You know, you're right. I'm a mega fan. I'll, I'll, I'll own that, which is why I really wanted to love this movie. Mm-hmm. I was, I, I would have been happy if it was good. I would have been ecstatic if it was great. But it's neither, and it was a bit of a bummer. It might even rank last, I think, among uh, how I would rank the soft films. Um, although, although maybe that's unfair because it's kind of apart from them. It's kind of a, like the runt of the litter, you know. So. It's it's not great. I'm prepared to defend it on some levels. Well, it's uh, funny because I I also don't like it. 
I wouldn't call it last. Um, I, I think there's two others that, or one other, it depends, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't seen the ones I don't like <laughs> since I saw them, so it's hard to kind of gauge. This one's fairly fresh. But I, the, the strange thing, though, is the reason I don't like this one, I just complained about how I'm not a fan of the interlockingness necessarily, or at least not that. It's more of just it trying to be clever when I don't think it yeah. really is. But the inter- right. Yeah. But the, the thing that I think this film suffers from is the fact that it's so standalone. I feel like, despite the final, despite 3D being not a, the wor- beforehand and still probably the worst entry for me, I still, there's still things about the end of that film that make me want to see what happens after that film. And that's not what this film provides. Like, it doesn't give you any more of the characters that are still alive at the end of Saw 3D. And so it's like, all right, I get the idea that you're, you know, kind of rebooting this to an extent. You're bringing back this franchise, but also giving it room for new fans to join in. But I feel like if you're a mega fan, if you're a fan of this franchise, or even someone like me who accepts things about it, I'd kind of want to see certain things answered, or at least given some kind of reference to, and this film doesn't have that. Uh, yeah, it's it's weird. It's it disappointed me, in particular, in ways that made me appreciate the original seven part series even more. Because looking back on the seven films, even the weaker ones, or even the ones that had weaker conclusions, I mean, the series isn't consistently strong, mm-hmm. uh, even for a mega fan like myself. But this one feels really kind of dislodged um, from the rest. I mean, it's of course referring to the same iconography and mythology. Uh, as a new entry in the franchise, but it's also like weirdly tame and uncommitted to the level of yeah. and gore that we've come to expect. Yeah, it's a it's a fairly tame film. Yeah, I completely agree. Like there's agree, yeah. there's gore in it, but it's not like it seems like it's shying away from certain quote unquote money shots that you would get in a film like this. There's a yeah, couple yeah, yeah. of scenarios where someone gets sawed a lot <laughs> or dismembered in some way, and the kind of the hammer either kind of out, keeps it out of focus or cuts away and it's like this it got the r like what are we holding back from here guys i've seen worse stuff on tv at this point like there's some bad stuff here and it just doesn't really yeah. give you that it's also the first film i think that doesn't include any footage from the previous films to fill certain gaps in the narrative which is what i've been referring to as kind of the interlocking narrative and so i'm not saying that's good or bad but it does kind of emphasize how completely disconnected and dislodged I feel this film feels from what I personally think is kind of a very impressive feat of this kind of twisty turny narrative that uh, that comprises the first seven films so this one just felt I wasn't sure who who's this movie for because you're not going to attract new people who are like is this really going to be your first Saw film and if you're coming as a fan then you're going to leave unsatisfied for other reasons and so yeah, it just kind of left me, left me hanging. Well, so I'll, I'll make some notes here. Um, the, the, the only kind of professional credit this film gets that shares, you know, um, you know, people with the other films is uh, well, the the producer team, obviously the Twisted Pictures producer team, um, Charlie Clauser, who continues to do the score, and the um, the the editor uh, Kevin Garrett. Uh, Gertert, sorry, uh, who edited a, a number of these films, including this one. But the kind of the screenplay work, uh, the first three films all had Lee Wanell involved. Um, the four through seven all had uh, Marcus Dunstan and Patrick Melton involved. 
but this one, yeah, this one has a new kind of team writing the film. It has a new director as well, the Spears directors, the Spearig brothers, uh, which was actually a reason I was excited for this film to some degree. I, yeah. I really like Predestination, their previous film. That's a film it's I amazing. That's Predest- a film. I, yeah, bananas. Yeah. It was in, it was in my top ten that year. I love that movie. And so I was like, well, that's a fun like that 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 got me from I'll eventually watch Jigsaw to I'm going to see Jigsaw in theaters. Like that was a really big reason. Yeah. And <laughs> the crazy thing is, the movie it's really flatly directed. Like it's both, it's strangely both visually distinct because it has this whole farmhouse setup, but also very flat to look at. Like I was surprised like how even like 3d, which I thought suffered a lot because as novel, as fun as the novelty of 3d could be, it still looked like a really cheaply directed movie. Um, and this one somehow is kind of on that level where it's not that interesting to look at uh, besides like, then the, you know the, the idea of like oh they're in a farm this time that's kind of fun but like having just watched like two three and four again which all have uh darren lynn bousman involved he's really flashy with that direction uh something that i do think adds a level of personality to the series as a whole and that's just absent this time around like it doesn't really feel even if, even with it being grander like there's actual outdoor shots a number of time in this film it just feels kind of like nothing like it doesn't really nothing really happens yeah, uh, what, what are they? What? Are, how do you pronounce their name again? The, the Spearig. Spearig brothers. They're Australian, right? I believe uh, so. Yes. Because I, I also enjoyed um, their Day, previous film. Daybreakers. Which, yeah, I think it's almost really good. It's I not, agree. <laughs> it's not, but it's like it's really close. It's almost like. You wish it had just been better because it's almost a great film. It, it, Daybreakers is—it's so like close to being pretty great that I'm like, this could be like easily like a vampire Mad Men TV series. It's like, what if it was Mad Men, but always at night and there are vampires involved? That's like that's the impression a, I had from it. Yeah, it's so funny. That was about what I was about to say. Like, it's so—it builds such an interesting world before like world building was even a thing that I thought this would have been a fantastic. HBO miniseries. Yeah, like these vampires that, like, because the idea is like, I forget exactly the details, but like vampires, basically, they've won, right? That's the idea. <laughs> like, uh, won. they're running, they're running out of their, you know, human blood. They're running out of their, uh, the resources they need. They're running out of food, right? So they're starving yeah. to death. But that's not the part that intrigued me as much as just the fact that it really does devote a lot of attention to what a society. Yeah. Uh, built around vampires would look like first so so everyone works at night so you know daytime nighttime is switched you have to have like a system of tunnels for transportation so people can avoid the sun it's actually like really interested in the political economy of a vampire society and yeah. i was like this yeah. is really thoughtful and interesting and then like the dumb b-movie plot kicks in yeah uh, on a search for a cure or whatever that wasn't nearly as interesting as the world itself and so Com- completely agree <laughs> yes yeah. So, so I'm okay. That one's you know a little shaky, but then predestination, I just thought was uh, so off the wall crazy mm-hmm. that I was recommending it to just everybody I came across for a while. And so yeah, I, I came in hoping that they would punch things up a little bit. Um, I don't know that they did. Um, can, can I go back a second in terms of the the kind of legacy of the uh, not Saw legacy, but the the kind of the lineage of the screen. <laughs> excuse me, the screenwriters. Sure. My understanding, if I remember correctly, is that so Saw 1 made money, so they made Saw 2. And then Saw 2 made money, so they made Saw 3. And that's the point at which they said, okay, let's think long, let's do the long game here. And that's when they started writing, okay, 4, 5, and 6 are 
kind of they were conceived as a continuous thing. So that's that's when they start planting things in part four that don't pay off until part six or seven or something like that. There, so I feel that's the point at which they were like thinking ahead of like how are we gonna puzzle piece this thing? Well, the that's that's mostly accurate. Yes, the so three for four. All of them were pretty much greenlit, you know, like a week, the week the the next one was coming out. So, like, when Saw 3 was coming out, 4 was greenlit, like, right away. And same thing with 5 and 6. And 3D was like, this is it. We're going to be, like, finishing on this one. Story, script-wise, script, script wise, 3 was the last time Lee Whannell was involved. Like, he, he and, like, James Wan and Lee Whannell, they wrote, they had the story for 3. Whannell wrote the, uh, the screenplay. Um, and then 4, that's when they brought in, um, uh, Melton and Dunstan, uh, Fenton, Melton and Dunstan, um, and they so and they yeah they wrote four they had like seeds for where things were gonna go, and yeah it kind of makes its own. It's weird because the <laughs> four, five, and six are like their own weird little trilogy, while two, three, and four are also their own weird trilogy, and four is this kind of like middle point where it wraps up the films directed by Darren Lynn Boseman, but also starts the new set of films um, directed by David Hackle and Kevin Grittert. Like, so it's the fast and furious of the saw movies. Yeah. There are some, there's some bridging points essentially between where things were at one place, then where things kind of took off in another direction. But, but I will say part four has my favorite twist. Yes, I don't know that's... if it's my favorite film, but the, the twist being that you spend the entire film assuming that it follows the events of Saw 3, but the twist is that, no, everything in Saw 4 is happening simultaneous to Saw 3, and then the two narratives converge. Which is a great that, twist as long as you don't that, think too hard about it. My mind. It blew my mind when I kind of realized that's what was going on. Maybe if I look back on it now, I think, ah, maybe it's too clever by half or... Now I'm not not so into it this time, but I just remember being in the theater like that having an impact and thinking like yes, on board. Saw five, take my money. <laughs> that's that was my my big takeaway yeah. from that one. I think that's the best twist the the series has offered so far. I would agree. I, I looking at the different things that happen in this series, uh, I would say four is the most impressive. Again, as long as I don't think too hard about it. Although all of them, you could say the same thing. Even the first one. Uh, <laughs> I think it's it's like all right. I he's in the middle. That's great. Um, but I, Although I think I think Saw has become such a an institution, right? And it's so famous and so iconic that we forget that the first one is a very solid B film. You know, it's, it's obviously cheaply made. It's got like one location and then a few other like. A it's a very it's a very different movie. That's for sure. Like Saw Two is where the series becomes the Saw series. Like, but much, which is not too dissimilar from other horror franchises. That kind of the tone is set in sequels as opposed to the first one. Where the first one feels somewhat separate. And the and Saw is a very it's it's a seven knockoff. Like that's what Saw is to me. Like it's just a cheap it's a cheap seven knockoff. Where Saw. Maybe. Maybe, but but the idea that having the corpse in the middle suddenly rise up and it's it's he's been the guy in on the inside the whole time like that's that's a great twist. It's a fun idea. Uh, ha- having just watched Saw again, um, it just reminded me exactly what I thought when I saw it back in two thousand four, where it's like there is some really amateur stuff in here as far as direction, writing, dialogue, and acting, and, and it's acting, yeah, yeah, it's certainly acting, and it's all held together because the gimmick is kind of neat and the twist is fun. Like that's really, and it, it's just it, it impresses me that we're there are seven sequels to this first film because the first one 
has really laughably bad moments in my eyes. Like I'm I'm not a big fan of Saw, as I've already said, but like the first oh, film specifically okay. didn't set me up to be like, I can't wait to see more of these. I was just like, okay, that was a thing. Yet inexplicably, everyone was all into Saw and I was very much on the outs uh, in the two thousands while these were happening. Yeah, I totally agree that the first one like needed some polish, but <laughs> I'm wondering then, are you proposing that the series kind of improves? As it goes along, because two is is I, a much more ambitious, much more better produced movie. I would say my we'll get to rankings later, but my my favorite two entries are two of the sequels. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah Saw, Saw is at least third or fourth as far as on me ranking them, but yeah. um, mainly because they're just the others are more professionally done. Like that's the feel of it. Can I go ahead and spoil Jigsaw? I know, like the new one. I, well, let's I, let's get back to Jigsaw. Let's talk a little bit more about Jigsaw before we kind of did go like right into spoilers for it i know we're a little unfocused so bear with us audience but yeah so back to back to jigsaw we'll get back to the franchise um i am prepared to defend it okay on, on some levels I, I i did think it was doing some interesting and subversive things with the mythology we'll uh, talk about it let's talk about yeah. that actually no let me correct that a second I, I think it's a bummer that it retreat retreads so much territory and doesn't seem to offer much in the way of a new vision on the franchise. But upon thinking about it some more after seeing it, there are places I'll point to that, uh, to me anyway, show at least an attempt to rethink or take subversive or at least semi-subversive pokes at the Saw mythology. So I'm going to stand up for it in that regard. But at the same time, I also think these attempts were kind of unsatisfactory, which is why I'll kind of put Jigsaw in the sort of missed opportunity category. Well, I'm, I'm curious what, what those what the you know somewhat subversive elements are because i that was one of my issues also where i don't think it it doesn't seem to take many chances at least from me looking at it and you know thinking about it as much as i did which was the amount of time it took me to write a review late at night on the thursday night that it opened <laughs> um, since then i haven't thought too much too much harder on what this film was really attempting to do because it just felt like it wasn't doing much beyond giving Lionsgate a reason to make some more money off of a franchise that died seven years ago. The cleverness of it all revolves around itself. And once again, it's not that clever. It just, the the reveals it goes for really don't matter to the characters involved with it, which bugged me, where there's only choices because the audience needed to not know something until the film ended. Like So it's it just like, it's a twist that means nothing to the people involved in it. Uh, which I don't think helps whatsoever. Uh, And I mean, without, we'll get to spoilers in a second, but without going right into spoilers, I think the kind of the reveals we see, like they don't give me new insight about John Kramer or the nature of what his whole plan is supposed to be beyond how ludicrously complicated it all is in execution. Yeah. So there's a few what very common saw twist tropes mm-hmm. um right was, one was time <laughs> yeah well, the first is like they're messing with timelines that happens a lot and, and they do that here uh and then the other reveal is that there are accom- accomplices mm-hmm. there's a whodunit right element. that kramer's yeah. not yeah. yeah yeah and so and this movie you know, recycles both of those tropes. Um, in terms of like, there is one reveal. And so before we get into like actual spoilers, there is one reveal that I wonder if you would admit that when this mysterious figure figure in the robe 
turns out to be John Kramer. He lifts off the hood and it's John Kramer himself. Now, now it, we should note this movie takes place, they say, 10 years after the events of the main Saw series. Mm-hmm. So this guy's supposed to be long dead. And yet there he is. Now, it turns out to be, you know, kind of a timeline switcheroo. But that to me was a very pleasurable moment because you do, or at least I did, I momentarily wondered how how can this be happening it turns out to be just another timeline trick. But for a moment there, I was kind of thoroughly delighted to see him on screen and was invested in finding out, okay, how are you guys going to explain this? So I had this exact conversation um, with Brandon Peters, who's a fan of this franchise. Um, You can read all of his reviews over at naptownnerd.blogspot.com, by the way. Um, The the presence of, of Tobin Bell... I can agree. Yes, that's like that's a nice thing. Like it's because he's obviously you know the movie's called Jigsaw, so you beyond hearing his voice and seeing creepy clowns, it's nice to actually see the presence of Tobin Bell again. Never mind, he's naturally aged, so you can't really put too much into like he looks older than he originally did in the first movies. Um, but the the idea of seeing him, yeah, I, I I I said I was saying to Brandon how there was like a half a second where I was like, wait, how is he alive? Even though. I'm very much aware that he died because we saw a giant autopsy in one film versus, and let alone like his actual death. Like the movies hit you over the head with the fact that this guy's not dead anymore. Even this movie hammers over your head that Jigsaw died 10 years ago. Like it's really trying to emphasize that fact. And yes, there, but there was a half a second like, wait, is he alive? And I'm thinking, okay, either this is all within the span of a half a second. Either this movie decided to suddenly become supernatural, which would be very stupid, or it's going to be even stupider and go with like identical twins or something like that. Twin brother, <laughs> I thought the same thing. I was like, it's Kramer versus Kramer. Yeah, <laughs> which right there is a missed opportunity because then there could be a oh. sequel <laughs> called Jigsaw exactly. Kramer versus Kramer. Uh, you know what? If this series really wants to go off the deep end, just go for it. Give him a twin brother. And when you're when you're in eight, you know, eight sequels deep. Yeah, you want to explore some fresh territory because what else are you going to do besides give people what you know they've seen already? Sadly, this is a movie that gives you just what you've seen already. Um, so yes, then by after this half a second pass, I did immediately think, oh, so it's a time thing. That's the, that's the thing here. <laughs> like, yeah, but but yes, it was a there was like a you know a thrilling notion of who's going to be under this hood, and it turns out to be John Kramer, and you're like, oh, that's I didn't okay, that's that's where we're at now. Can I? I don't. I don't see us really following any particular through line here. It's but fine. yeah, can I go back to something you said earlier? Uh, you said that the the kind of the barn trap setting uh-huh. you thought was kind of a, a fresh look. Um, I actually didn't care for that much because I realized how much I do enjoy the aesthetic of Jigsaw's traps, which is dingy kind of, warehouses. <laughs> well, it's a mixture of like high and low tech, right? Because on the one hand, the settings are all kind of rusty and, like you say, dingy. And use very basic things like chains and pulleys and gears, you know. But at the same time, it's insanely high tech in terms of its like timing systems and surveillance systems. And so these combinations of like industrial spaces, because we never learn what city the films take place in. They seem to take place in this kind of post-industrial place like maybe, I don't know, like maybe Detroit or some place similar whose infrastructure has kind of failed its citizens. Which also, I guess, thematically ties to like Jigsaw rising up to enact his own brand of right and wrong because yeah. like legal system has failed in so many ways. Um, but it also explains why he lives in a city that seems to have all of these abandoned fucking warehouses <laughs> yeah. factories for him to retrofit. I mean, there's so many. Like, doesn't doesn't like part six take place in an abandoned zoo? Like, where is where the hell is there an abandoned zoo? <laughs> you know? 
and what kind of budget is this guy working with? You know, so I feel like I do miss that element of it. And having it set in a barn felt more like like an escape room experience I could pay for 30, enjoy for th- a 30 buck uh, pop, you know. That's fair. I will, I mean, if we want to get technical, this is apparently Jigsaw's first set of traps ever, which is, I guess, separate from his um, whole warehouse thing. If, if, yeah. With the time thing, like, it gets complicated here. The eyes start crossing. This is, like, his first thing he ever did before the other stuff that he also previously said was the first stuff he ever did. It's very confusing. Um, and I, I can agree with you as far as, yes, I do think the series gets its kind of look from all of those other areas. And I guess I I was welcoming the changes because, well, it is still having this high-tech stuff within this barn. Like, the, the traps are no less complicated than any other traps as far as what kind of work it would take to make this actually function properly. Um... And if anything, it just, the film just disappoints by not using this setting to a greater extent. Because I, as I said, I think the film is very flatly directed. I just I don't think it does enough with this setting to make it any more interesting than the others. It just has a you know a fresh coat of paint on it, essentially. Yeah, I mean, one of the traps is just really boring. It's just we're being buried by grain, right? We're trapped in a grain silo, and we're 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 being buried alive um which i thought was almost a fun shout out to witness which witness? stars which yeah, stars yeah. danny glover who was in the first saw movie which many people seem to forget but um i wonder if that's deliberate probably not i don't <laughs> think it, i don't think it's that clever because again these movies are not that clever <laughs> but keep a cut, yeah but yeah i i but you know i i did mention this issue of like industrial spaces and and like does this take place in a city that that is kind of falling falling apart i mean i i always found that the series from its beginning is very anarchic um because every single film is so distrustful of institutions particularly law enforcement right so many of the victims are people who the legal system has failed on some level or like cops who are corrupt or criminals who are set free due to technicalities and things like that. I mean, the series from its very beginning feels very much, and I'm going to go here, it feels very much of its time in terms of it being a kind of a Bush era uh, series uh, because you have people questioning the basic competence and moral right-headedness of like the military and the intelligence apparatuses and big surveillance and state power. It ter- so- it certainly turns into that like because the, the first one feels fairly separate from that concept where the second one, that's where you introduce like detective Eric Matthews, Donnie Wahlberg's character, who is this cop that goes, goes too far over the line to make sure he gets all the bad guys in prison. Like, yeah, it's, it it starts to incorporate more and more of that. Yeah. yeah. And and I feel like this one, again, I mean, to, to kind of be fair, it it does take place 10 years later. It's dislodged from the kind of momentum of the, of the series, whatever momentum it had going for it. But this one does feel more like a script that they concocted based on, I don't know what. It, it seems very, um, not just dislodged from the series, but dislodged from the era in which real-life things were going on that gave the films kind of what I think were a deeper meaning. Well, it feels like a tribute band. I mean, this this film's like, you that's know... Not, yeah, that's well put. It's, go, it's going for... 
Well, these are the ideas that were central to the previous Saw film, so we'll bring those back here in new ways. So we have a character who's a cop that seems a lot like the Donnie Wahlberg cop type character. We'll have uh, people that are <laughs> um, involved in various activities that are very hesitant to talk about them out loud, and yet they're actually secretly guilty. We'll have people that are obsessed with this concept of preserving or you know cherishing life. Like it has all the hallmarks, it just feels hollow. Like it doesn't have much to really say, in my eyes anyway. Like it's just kind of riffing on what seemed to work previously. Well, you know, this is where I think there might be something interesting going on because you know this film is called Saw Legacy. And its marketing campaign, you know, what people are taking off uh, or taking on the mantle of Jigsaw. They're continuing his work. It was, yeah, it was, it was originally called Saw Legacy, and then it turned right. into Jigsaw. To be fair, yeah, right. But but that but that idea has always been kind of etched in the marketing and the concept of of this thing, which is um, that his message is being taken up by people. Um, like one of the interesting scenes. I don't think it's one of the best saw traps but i think it's in part seven that addresses these sort of wider societal aspects i don't know if you remember this one but it's it's not one of the best kills but it's one that takes place in a very public square where there's oh, okay. wrestling over a saw and the girlfriend is hanging above yeah that's the opening of saw 3d yeah. yeah so what makes that scene kind of satirical and interesting is that all of the onlookers are recording what's going on with their phones and they're not intervening mm-hmm. and that's the scene that to me, points kind of the finger at all of us and shows that we're all complicit in this like disease that Jigsaw is trying to address, um, which thematically justifies why anyone is presumably both capable of being his victim, but also possibly capable of carrying on his legacy, because we all have it in us to escape a trap and be enlightened or, or whatever. And so, like, I was hoping this film would follow through on that those themes a little bit or at least I, I was expecting it to be more of a commentary on like fandom and examining the kind of people who would obsess over these types of things so there's the um medical examiner yes what's her the redhead yeah the yeah uh, she's to me the most interesting character because they set her up as a giant red herring um mainly because she looks like a poor man's shawnee smith <laughs> and that feels like a very deliberate move to throw us off but the fact that she is this kind of twisted fangirl is kind of interesting, I think. Or, or rather, it poses interesting questions about the lasting popularity of very macabre figures in our society. Like Tarantino is doing a new film on the Manson murders, right? And there are people out there who are arguably not racist, but are like very interested in collecting, say, Nazi memorabilia for for their historical significance, etc. And so there is a kind of subculture out there of people who who would find this stuff really interesting and, and worth study and and worth uh, preserving on some level. And I thought that dimension to it is kind of interesting. Like, what is the legacy of, of this kind of mass murder? Yeah, and the questions you're proposing, I agree with. The problem is the film has no desire to execute on them any, in any way whatsoever. Yes. It, yeah, it, com- it completely fun. abandons her her you know obsession with Jigsaw's... Like, she collects Jigsaw's traps. Like, that's her thing. And it's like, okay, that's... That's something, but what else? And there's nothing else. Like there's no other. There's nothing. There's nothing else to shade this character beyond. She likes this stuff, and that's all we get from her. And it's like the film feels like a series of that kind of thing, and it, that doesn't do it any favors. And by the way, you mentioned like she's a red herring. There, the, the film is wildly claustrophobic as far as 
what characters we can expect to see something from because the 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 cops in this movie the cop plotline by the way but we haven't talked about this like story at all but like if there's it's familiar with other saw movies where it's two plots where like one is like the people stuck in a trap there's or a like game. a like a game yeah stuck in the game while they while you have the cop doing like their procedural stuff to investigate where things are happening how to stop it what have you the cop side of the stuff is terrible um, i think it's all really bad yeah. uh, there's a lot of bad acting um, it's it looks it looks really bland and again it's very very closed off the in any in any other film films that have like a bigger budget or more ambition you'd have cops that are investigating a crime they'd probably look to anybody else's suspects beyond the very people examining the bodies of the people involved in said crimes but because this movie has so limited they like the main cop immediately clues into like the only the, the corners like there's no reason for this like but ex- but they're just like well I wonder if they did it, and then that's what the film explores. It goes no other route except one of these guys is probably involved, maybe? Or maybe it's the cop himself. I don't know, but the movie's, like, devoid of any other possibilities, and so it becomes kind of boring watching all of this stuff. Like, it's not exciting. She seems to know a lot about Jigsaw. And that's probably because she has to be a killer. No other explanation except that. Like <laughs> she, must be, she must be a copycat killer. Well, I, I mean, I'm going to say, I, I think every point I make, we're going to circle back to Yes, I think this is interesting. Unfortunately, the film doesn't capitalize on it. Yeah. And I think another one of these issues is because, like, the films, and I'm thinking back to the Saw series, and I can't pinpoint at what point it really starts hitting you over the head, but the films do gradually take on more and more, like, religious overtones. Like, there were always themes of salvation and confessing your sins and things like that. But you could argue that they were largely sort of unreligious and presented more as, like, extreme forms of self-help like jigsaw himself starts to become this godly figure because he's completely omniscient he has a way of knowing people's sins uh somehow uh and can predict their behavior with like extreme precision right Mm -hmm. so he himself becomes this 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 uh this omniscient godly figure and i think an important thing that starts to take over you identified part four as being this pivot point um, because he dies in part three and then he appears in flashbacks after that. I think the series becomes more interesting in the latter half. If you look at it in terms of his various apprentices and specifically how they ultimately fail him because they go astray from the faith, right. And they abuse their responsibilities or however you want to, uh, uh, characterize it. So Amanda fails a test and then Hoffman kind of goes rogue, I guess. And so, the question of like whether anyone is capable of remaining true to Jigsaw's particular brand of justice uh-huh. is a pretty important question that that preoccupies the series. And so when you say the, 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 the kind of B narratives about detectives are always so terrible, I agree. This one is particularly lazy and, and poorly crafted. But I do this is one reason why I do like that so many of the secondary narratives are about detectives, because it's constantly juxtaposing issues of right and wrong uh, within this cosmic vision that Jigsaw, only Jigsaw can see, and the legal, bureaucratic, and more formal infrastructure of law enforcement is kind of a nice foil to that. That's something that I've always thought was going on in those films. That's, that's, I, I get what you're saying, and my problem with it is that the kind of, especially in three and four and even five, um, fans will know what we're talking about because i can't just go into all these details of all these intricate movies um but the 
you know, the cops involved are generally not bad people. Like, and it bugs me that they're they're put to the same test as drug dealers and murderers and whatnot. The uh, like the Dina Meyer character, her sin is she works too hard, and the same is with the with the character um, uh, Rig, um, the black cop that was involved in most of them. He's like the lead character in four, whose sin again is. He he, t- he, t- he tried to be too good of a cop, and so he must be yeah. punished for this. Yeah, it's nonsense. Yeah, but... it is nonsense. But like, it's it's like I'm supposed to. There's a reason why I think three is, if not if not the best one among the top ones, is because it it gives you such good circumstances to work with as far as who the victim is of this game, as along with the kind of seeing Jigsaw interact with a ment- with a um, apprentice figure. Like, the, it balances two different plot lines really well that all seem to make sense together as a whole yeah uh, thematically i can understand yes the cop story like the, the way you balance infrastructure versus this kind of project mayhem 2.0 leader like I, I i see where that i see how that comes across as far as like why why you could admire the series for what it's trying to do but it just it feels ineffective to me if i'm not i'm not grasping on to why certain characters need to even be involved to begin with given how the what what we're supposed to be following as far as cherishing life and whatnot. And... Yeah, I agree. I mean, I mean, there's a. I guess it must be part one where they say um, he's technically not a murderer because he finds ways for people to kill themselves, which, like, which is, is com- which is complete bullshit. Every time I watch that movie, but... moral and legal bullshit, right? Well, there's also like he does actually kill people. Like he like takes a knife to Danny Glover's throat at one point, or he sets up shotguns for a guy to run. It's like. These are not things you could easily escape. Like these are things that you deliberately set up to per- get people dead. Like, and then it- <laughs> eventually, eventually, they start introducing traps in which, like, you you can choose between these two people: who's gonna one's gonna live, one's gonna die. What's that? You're, well, you're not following your own philosophy. And, and okay, so here's here's where I think this film is potentially a little interesting. There are things in it that I liked. So this moral philosophy of Jigsaw is completely bunk, right? And so it's another reason why. I find the drama and infighting between the apprentices a little bit more interesting because Kramer himself is basically just a giant narcissist. And if we're entering a phase in the series now that takes place 10 years later, when all of these potential wannabes and fanboys and fangirls are popping up, whether it's like a fan community who have this like cultish fascination with him um, to people who are actually willing to carry on his work, then I think it's time we start directing our questions at the dear leader, right? This is why the kind of religious iconography and religious vocabulary of like sin and redemption and salvation becomes really important because if there is a religious component to this, then we ought to be, what? Um, there ought to be a beware of false prophets aspect baked into it as well. And yet the series, to my mind, has yet to kind of vigorously question and dismantle its own mythology in that sense. And so that being said, I think there are hints of that in this film insofar as it shows more and more that Jigsaw's original motives, because if we understand that this whole barnyard thing was his first go around, it shows that his motives were essentially all based on personal revenge, right? Like he's kind of a hypocritical dickhead. Yeah, which that doesn't inherently bother me. Something I do like about characters like this are that they should be hypocritical to some degree it'd be it's not 
dramatically interesting to me to see somebody say, I have a set of rules and I always follow them. The end. Like that, like it's, it, it's why it's part of why I like Batman so much where Batman is like, I don't kill and I don't do this, but I do this yet. There are, you can except argue, you do, yeah. except when you do. And that make, I mean, that make th- th- that specific instance doesn't make, or that specific concept doesn't make me like Batman. I don't like that. He's like, you know, maybe a murderer after all, that doesn't make me like him more, but the idea that he, adhere he he claims to adhere to a certain thing but then you know uh, uh doesn't quite follow all of his steps all all that closely that that that's actually more interesting jigsaw is similar where like i <laughs> i could call it bullshit as far as how he acts on his own kind of thing but at the same time it, there is at least a there's something more interesting to me about him uh, by him saying one thing and doing another this film yeah. <laughs> it... the, disconnect, the disconnect over the, the seven films is like, well, we know Jigsaw lives by this philosophy and then his apprentices are going astray because they're creating inescapable traps and that's against the rules. But on the other hand, we have a great idea for a trap. We have to do this, even if it goes against, you know, so there's there's these two impulses going on throughout the series. I just feel like like this movie, I don't think this movie is the first one to you can point to and say, see, Jigsaw's a hypocrite. But I do think that having him out of the picture for 10 years, having it set 10 years later and leaving a wide spread for these, like this new generation of followers to potentially like misinterpret his legacy and turn him into a cult star on the internet, but they don't fundamentally understand what he was about is I think potentially interesting for a project that was initially called Saw Legacy and was concerned about those questions of like, who's going to take up the mantle of Jigsaw. Would, and, but but again, would. I think, I think those elements are there. They just don't capitalize it, capitalize on it in a way that I find remotely satisfying. Well, it's right, right there for the taking because Saw 3D literally ends with Carrie Elwes and the sons of Jigsaw saying, we're going to keep this thing going. And none of that is referenced in this movie. <laughs> like it's, it's all right there for the taking. And it doesn't seem like that'd be an easy thing to kind of solve beyond i don't know rights issues or something like that because you know spoilers for we can get to spoilers for jigsaw the actual reveal is just some random guy that we had never had any association with until this movie and it's like okay that (laughs) it seems like there could more could have been done there but instead we just have the like the worst delivered monologue in all of the movie (laughs) like it's a real bummer when the big twist at the end turns out to be that surprise Jigsaw had yet another apprentice, which I believe this is the fourth time they've rolled that one out. Yeah, I, it was Amanda and then it was Hoffman and then it was Dr. Gordon. And now this asshole whose name I, I don't even remember his name. Um, do you have it in front of you? Uh, I do now. Logan Nelson. <laughs> Logan. Yeah. Nelson. Great. Not, yeah. not even not even the best Logan of the year. Right? <laughs> yeah. This totally bland, like nonsense character. But I mean, it, it, it's interesting in so far as like Saw was always interesting to me, n- not like partially in like, you know, the spectacle and like the some of the kills are really unique and, and fun to watch if you're into that sort of thing. But it was always interesting to me where Saw pulled its punches like, for example, there has never been a Saw film that has dealt with genital mutilation. Yeah, yeah. Right? The only the only nudity we ever see is, like, in part three, where there's, I think there's a woman in a freezer. That's part three, right? Yeah. And she's frozen to death. But but the, the nudity is completely not in a non-sexual context, right? Um, if you really want to make, 
half of your audience squirm, have a sequence where it's like you've got to castrate yourself or survive. You have 60 seconds, live or die, right? Like, but it never, ever went there. It never went into places of sexual violation, whereas like Hostel, for instance, which is one of this film's contemporaries, is explicitly political in that sense in how it ties torture to sexual violation. It opens with Americans in Amsterdam with prostitutes because it, I mean, the movie starts out basically as like a road trip sex comedy and then it flips it by trapping those characters in a different kind of like meat market, but makes it really obvious that the film is juxtaposing different ways in which the body is kind of turned into a commodity, right? Saw never went there. Saw always went out of its way to not engage in the actual political questions of torture that were like dominating news discussions at the time. It never waited in, in and it never expressed an opinion. Um, part six is really the first one that addressed like real world issues um, because it was about the healthcare crisis, right? Or the health, the, the ACA. Which is, which is why it's one of my other favorite entries of the series. It actually tries to do something. Wait, so wait, so what's the logic there? You think it's the first one that actually... It's it's one it's one that it's one that feels it feels like it's attempting to be about something more um, that I actually found to be interesting. Where it's like, oh, okay, I spent, and I think it helps that it was coming after five, which I think is kind of terrible um, it, it, <laughs> for a series that I already think is not great. Five really feels like a low point. Um, so six comes along and it's like, oh, it's actually it's trying to say something in the midst of a, you know another. Halloween torture round of Jigsaw. It's like okay, I I'll see where this goes, and I do think there's a number of good things about it. But yeah, yeah, I, I I'm not hating on number six, and I do you know I'm with you that you know it is maybe a, an interesting direction it took that uh, it's the first one that actually is about something going on in the world. Um, it's the first one that takes its storyline and uses it as a form of allegory. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the Saw films as being like rather apolitical by design almost, um, which is my interpretation, I think part six is the one that kind of broke the contract with its audiences by veering away from just trying to be spectacles of violence. Right? It's the first one that kind of that was about something. So I can see people disliking it for that reason. Apathetically. Yeah, I the the fun thing is that so Saw five um, it got the lowest... Now, reviews don't matter much for these Saw movies, but Saw 5 is notable for having the absolute lowest of the reviews uh, for this series. And then Saw 6 got better reviews, but then suffered at the box office because I think so many people were thrown off by 5 and, and in the midst of also just kind of the, the waning uh, necessity of the franchise. People just were like, we need another one of these, really? So they didn't really go out and see it. But I, I do think that they kind of... The fact that they did try to take a chance and do something more with real world topics i do think added to the value of the film which people that did see it specifically critics and people that kind of are, are fan it seems like you're not as much of a fan of saw six but i think for people that are fan, there are others that are fans that do recognize what saw six was trying to go for is and kind of an overall means beyond some of it, what you're normally seeing well so this is where i want to propose to you that i think this movie jigsaw our current one does have something potentially interesting going on. And you have to kind of be on board with my premise, which is that, um, that torture porn, what, what we just kind of very dismissively call torture porn, mm-hmm. um, which of course like involves hostile and, and, uh, films of that ilk, right. Um, 
I don't know why I sound so judgmental. I fucking wrote a dissertation on this stuff. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know either. You keep saying it as if you're even writing it up. It's like, nope. I, I... Trash. This trash that I devoted so many man hours to. Um, but like, whereas Hostel is very mindful of its political uh, and geopolitical mindset. It's very much about xenophobia and like the violence that Americans encounter overseas. It's very Bush era. That's and why I don't love it into torture porn, by the way, because I think it has so much going on from a societal commentary standpoint where it's like, well, it's much more than just like, let's just throw this at the screen. It's trying to say yeah. something. And so the thing to keep in mind that I think is really crucial is that the Iraq war what and the war on terrorism this is all bush era stuff wasn't just about anxieties around terrorism and another 9-11 and all that stuff and then like the fact that the government was lying to us about wmd but the entire visual vocabulary of the war on terror has to do with what suicide bombers and soldiers coming home with missing limbs and al-qaeda videos circulating online of beheadings and and of course images of torture coming out of abu Ghraib. right this is the visual vocabulary that we became accustomed to during that era. And so there's no way you can convince me that it's a coincidence that this horror subgenre called torture porn emerged during this period. It's all about spectacles of bodies just being ripped apart and sliced open. And that's, that's enormously significant, right? Well, you have so, filmmakers that are, you know, sub, either subconsciously or not projecting what's going on in their minds to create a clever yeah. premise of some sort. It's in the ether. It's just, it just is. And so, um, this is why I think the final twist is potentially a little bit uh, more interesting than, than we might be giving it credit for. Um, given the fact, if you, if you follow my logic here, or if you agree with my premise, given the fact that the Saw series emerges out of a period of like uncertainty and anxieties about real life torture surrounding terrorism and, and um, mm -hmm. uh, Guantanamo Bay and the Iraq war, etc., the 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 person this film nominates to take on the persona of the new jigsaw is a veteran of that war right they make a big deal of pointing out that he was tortured in iraq like he was they like, underwent interrogation he was captured or something like that so in other words he's a person who's been tested in jigsaw's terminology by living through the actual traumas that legitimate the fictional saw series 10 years ago that strikes me as potentially very subversive right the idea that People who have seen real suffering are the only ones eligible to, uh, as they say at the end of the movie, speak for the dead. That's the new closer of the film. It's not it's not close a door and say game over, which is like every single saw that they introduce a new line. I'm the one who speaks for the dead. And for a series that's always been really wishy washy about issues of like who exercises moral authority over others and jigsaw has some kind of cosmic sense of justice, but it's also completely bullshit. Um, I think that's a pretty fascinating direction. I, again, just wished it had been executed in a more exciting way because the lead guy is so forgettable, right? There's just, there's, he, there's nothing interesting about yeah. him. I guess like he has like a young daughter who he's on Skype with and he's like, I love you pumpkin, but who gives a shit? It doesn't amount to anything. Um, so I think, yeah, that the, the fact that he's an Iraq veteran is, I think potentially really interesting. I just wish they had maybe, I don't know, leaned on that a little bit more because I found that, I found that just kind of like potentially really subversive and a really interesting way to kind of, you know, what reflexively redress some of the context that gave the, the original series uh, a lot of grit and meaning. 
I'm I was still trying to understand because I, I was I was starting to like wait. So what's true and what's not? Like, is he even an Iraq veteran? Because it's like ten years ago he was in a trap with Jigsaw, and then like because. <laughs> The trap didn't go off as he expected. Jigsaw saved him, and you see like all this shot of scars on his back at one point. You're, that's supposed to infer. You're supposed to like read that as that's the torture from Iraq he had, but instead it's actually just the torture, the the stuff from the Jigsaw saw trap that he didn't quite go through. Uh, like it, it's, it, I, I was. I, I think. I mean, he. Th- there are enough characters who know his history right there's i guess yeah like, so, and, together or there, there's stuff like that in there so so i think that, it's, it's, yeah so yeah so that is true so then it made me wonder it's like so what was his crime for getting in the place of, like what's why was he in the midst of other people that actually killed people what not to begin with is like what because he was just like a, a shitty husband after he came back from war it's like that's okay that's a little weak for jigsaw yeah. like there, it's just like all this stuff was in my mind i'm thinking okay like i don't care about this guy he has a lot of backstory that seems a little confusing. Um, is am I, I? I'd be happy to embrace this guy as the, the latest jigsaw if he meant anything to me, but he really doesn't, which is <laughs> the part yeah, of the problem. I think I think I really like the kind of dramatic shift that happens throughout the original series from the killer to the apprentices mm-hmm. or the disciples, or uh, if you want to call it that. Um, I think that is maybe the more appropriate word because the series does increasingly indulge in such like spiritual vocabulary of sins and redemption and salvation. But then the question of like, who is truly worthy of adopting the mantle, right? Who, who is worthy of being the second coming of Jigsaw is a thematically important question. Um, and the fact that they decide to make it someone who experienced torture himself in the Iraq war harkens back to the original context of the original series in a way that I find is really, really interesting. It's just, again, the film doesn't bring that home in a satisfying way. Um, It's also confusing because it's not just a kind of a bummer that they fall back on the same twist, which is like just another apprentice, but it begs the question, wait, like, does this guy know Hoffman or does this guy predate Hoffman? Which again, I mean, the movie... (laughs) You have like you have to assume that there's going to be another one, but I don't even know given the you know the box office returns of this. But there's questions out there that linger. Yes, is he, what, how involved was this guy with the rest of Jigsaw's kind of crew that he had while he was still alive, or what's okay. going what is going on with Carrie Elwes and the other sons of Jigsaw that are you know descended whatever that were left behind after the end of Saw 3D? Is Hoffman even still alive because he was at the end of Saw 3? Like it's just I have no idea what's happening right now. Yeah, I was I was disappointed that major questions from the end of part seven, uh, 3D, were left unanswered, namely what happens to Hoffman. But in terms of like where they're putting this in terms of the timeline, they take this all the way back to the beginning. Yeah, this is his first trap. This is his proto apprentice, um, which means so was he off fighting in Iraq while Hoffman was kind of recruited? You know, it kind of makes me wonder, like, what? what's going on in relation to what oh yeah i have no yeah i have no idea where this guy was while all the other stuff was happening <laughs> like this it makes it doesn't really yeah. take to explain this at all guy it's like and, and that'd be weird he was like he's become this apprentice to a guy that's planning to put people through ritualistic tests and he's like well i was enlisted so i got to go back now bye like i don't understand what's happening here well the one key thing is that not only do we not know where this is located not that that really matters, other than it's just, you know, kind of a dilapidated urban area. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but also, we don't know when this is going on. Right? There, there are technologies that exist, but like, I mean, was he a jigsaw apprentice and then 9-11 happened and he decided to enlist? You know, like, that's why he was in Iraq. Like, I feel like these... And, but you, you just, you, you go by cell phones. That's really the only way you can do it exactly, with these movies. <laughs> it's like, how old is the cell phone in this one? That's how you can tell what kind of date this is. And the movies are somewhat clever where they just try not to have characters use phones in a lot of instances, which is generally how you know it's in the past at some point. Right. But... And you can't you can't have people in a trap with phones anyway because they'll call for help. So, yeah, and it, I mean the movie, that's another like theme of the movie the kind of analog versus digital, um, where Jigsaw does construct things in a very practical manner, um, which is another idea that could this film could kind of press into more the idea of you know kind of effects work and how it how it's even constructed as you know as a kind of meta commentary in itself where there are some practical effects in this movie that are very effective and there are some digital ones that i think are not very effective um you mentioned the silo filling up of grain the practical aspect of that was great and then all these objects start falling on the characters like well those are just clearly digital i don't really believe any of this for a second (laughs) um or even a late kill in the film that involves lasers i'm like all right yeah lasers i guess so that's not all well, that creative I, to me. The, the, the laser collar, right? You're wearing this collar and you're kind of trapped between all these beams. Like, I thought that was a pretty neat visual. It's a neat visual. And the result is like, well, I guess that's what that's supposed to look like. But it just didn't leave me any lingering effect beyond, yeah, I saw that, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a cheap look. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, it is. It's just like, okay, yeah. Blood. <laughs> Weird head. Uh, yeah, that, that was a bummer for me. All the kills were kind of boring. The, the only kill that I really admired was the kind of the spiral thing. Like, that one was like, okay, that's... I didn't understand that at all. I mean, I... I that visually makes sense of it. I, I know, okay, okay, you're in danger of of some sort. I, I get that, but I'm not... You have to reach through it, I guess, but then... It seemed, what... like, a, it seemed like an easy solve. That was my only issue with it. It's like, well, you just stay straight and put your arm and you can pretty much solve it, but guy just moved around too much, I guess, and died, <laughs> But yeah, but the, but the way in which he dies in it is handled in a visually unsatisfying way. It just wasn't gory enough, you know. No, that's it, yeah, that's what I mean when I say it's too tame. Like I, I, because I, I know what they're going for, which is I think why I liked it more. But it just kind of like, all right, yeah, that happened. <laughs> it's a weird. It's it's a weird kind of an anti-saw movie in that it's tamer and not that gory. But also, I mean, and this is where I, I want to give it some credit. I'm leaning toward giving it credit, which is that. It it, I think it does hammer home certain realities that have maybe sunk in over time throughout the original series, uh, mainly that Jigsaw himself may be unworthy of his own teachings, that he's a false prophet, and so someone carrying on his work is only just kind of perpetuating this lie. I think I think those those elements are potentially in there, particularly with the revelation that Jigsaw picks victims that suit him. Uh, personally, right? Like the neighbor that pisses me off or the the orderly that mixed up my x-ray or like, or the guy who sold the motorcycle to my nephew who got him killed. And Oh, that's why he's doing it because he mixed up his x-rays. That's, that's why he, he was subjected to Jigsaw's thing. I'm finding people who are so unappreciative of being alive, but it's like, no, dude, you're just picking people from your, from your neighborhood who have like, you know, slighted you in some way or another. Uh, And that's, that's, you're, you're kind of flowering out from there, and I think that's uh, it's a bunch of bullshit, man. It is, and it also shows just how far down this series has gone from its initial setup, where 
as much as I'm not a big fan of the first Saw, it's way simpler and way less complex than the films that preceded it, where it's just two guys in a room and there's like all kinds of clues all over the place, all that's potentially allowing them to actually escape. There's no real like gory after effect if they if there doesn't have to be in the in that in that movie. Yeah, this one, like I said earlier, it feels like um, an experience at an escape room, Which, or like a like, like a that Universal Horror instead of like a real terrifying kind of surveillance um, moral nightmare. And it's, which, which is kind of the dystopic, dystopic and anarchic vision of the institutional failure that allows for like a jigsaw to to exist, which is I think something that is a thread throughout the first seven films. And it, it's also uh, it's know, also o- it's also odd because you have this film that has like some very elaborate ideas that are supposed to be before the first film, which was so simple. It's like, wait, so Jigsaw scaled himself back after his first whack at this by just like, all right, I did this thing with like five people that had buckets on heads and then they had to go to a a noose room with syringes and all this nonsense. Let me go, let me scale things down to here's a dirty bathroom. Let me, let me, let me go backwards in my handling of this. It feels like a very post saw saw film in that sense right where it's just kind of kind of past a lot of the the moral preoccup pre wait what am I, what's the word i'm looking for preoccupations preoccupations yeah with uh, phd folks um of the first seven films and just is doing its own thing while at the same time having its cake and eating it too by giving us the big apprentice reveal and the, 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 the gory final death and the monologue at the end of like, well, here's how I was involved all along, blah, blah, blah. And it's just the whole thing just doesn't really gel, does it? It doesn't. And it makes me wonder, again, who this movie's supposed to be for, because I'd like to think that the Saw fans are ones that really appreciate the cleverness, the interlock, the interconnectedness of the series, the... You know, good the good aspects of the reveals, and this film doesn't really have any of that. It's not connected to anything beyond itself, aside from obviously John Kramer. The reveal is not all that interesting because there's only four characters in this movie essentially that kind of matter. Um, and the, I mean the 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 where it will lead next is also undetermined because we don't know what kind of potential this has to keep going if it's going to ever incorporate the rest of the series or not. And it's just not that creative. I mean, there's some clever trap ideas, but seeing them be realized doesn't go anywhere. Even the first trap, like the, with the bucket heads, it's like, well, that's surprisingly less gory than it should be, given how crazy gory that trap should be. Yeah, I agree. And and again, the the big they make such a big deal of this weird spiral thing, mm-hmm. this funnel. Um, oh, it's this design that was never carried out. No one really knows if you ever use it. And then we see it in action. And I wasn't even sure. I, I thought it was maybe like it was like burning him to death because the whole thing is painted red. Like I thought that was heat. And he's like being cooked alive in, in some weird makeshift microwave. That's what I thought was going on. But it turns out, no, just saw blades. Yeah, it's just the worst version of Operation where you don't want to touch the sides. Oh. Well, why'd they paint it red? For you know style points, because the red spiral is Jigsaw's signature. Yeah, he's he's really big into the spirals and clowns. Well, he's committed to his iconography. We'll give him that. That's for sure. I want to talk about the. We're going to wrap this up, but I want to talk about the twist in this movie again because it not just the like who who's behind all of this, but the the logic of it because the the whole time element means 
So there, there was a set of five people that did all these traps in this movie once, and then to get fresh bodies to lure certain people in, they did the traps again. But we don't see those bodies, or we don't see that we don't see those versions of the traps happen. And it's it's all so belabored where I don't care about this because the the twist isn't. The only reason that there's a twist here is so I'm not aware of there being a time mix-up. But that doesn't matter to anybody involved in the movie. And that's the worst kind of twist. Because it's not really a twist except for... It's like like I have something in my hand and I just have my hand turned around the whole time. And it's not that it's impossible to know it's in my hand. It's just because it's at a different angle. Like there's nothing exciting about that. It's just the movie's purposely withholding something from you that doesn't make any difference. (laughs) It's almost as if they – because we know from the beginning. I actually was thinking, oh, this is a Saw film that is taking for granted that there are timeline shifts, right? Because we know – because the detectives are – uh, investigating what we believe to be the bodies that are being produced by the game that's going on, mm-hmm. that, okay, well, the, the detective narrative is happening sometime after the events of this game that we're watching, right? So from the very beginning, the film is like, okay, we're messing with the timeline. You guys know it. We're not going to, we're not, uh, you know. I don't know. I, I think, but then, I, I, but then I, I, all of that is to set up uh, an even deeper timeline twist right so it's like a timeline twist upon a timeline twist i think the question that's really weird is okay so you're duplicating kills Mm -hmm. right you're you're killing people who look the same way as like the one the trap from over 10 years ago which is very convenient because all the people that look the same happen to be also involved in dark nasty crimes and just was why they're being punished to begin with (laughs) right but like the the investigating officers would not have associated that with with a set of traps that occurred 10 years ago which was jigsaw's first one right so that you're really only finding identical looking criminals to kill in identical ways for us just just to mess with us and it's just that's that's again where the gimmicky nature of saw just kind of sometimes gets gets the better of itself it's even it's even weird because i you you i guess you could intuit that there might be a time element going on from the get-go but i mean the bodies are revealed after they supposedly die in this film so like when the first guy in the butt when you think the first guy in the buckethead room dies then his body is found so you're thinking okay so he's like he after one dies they immediately shift it to where it could be found by police so you could kind of think it might be going on in the present day um but the which i guess it technically is since there have us there's a second set of people doing these traps so these things are kind of happening again but we never meet but we never yeah we never meet them so it's not satisfying in any way bodies yeah but then but that so the logic there if that's the case if they if there's someone moving the body to for the cops to find that's saying that that's relying on me to i guess think of saw 3d and think well because that movie ended with the sons of jigsaw or whatever running around i'm supposed to assume there's like multiple killers going back and forth and it doesn't even deliver on that like it doesn't even have that it springs this completely new thing this new guy that came out of nowhere on you is like oh wait that's the guy that did it i figured it'd be carrie elwes again and like the rest of his people nope not even the case (laughs) it really harkens back to the original saw in the sense that like oh this entire thing was masterminded by one guy one feeble cancer-ridden guy (laughs) 
but but the, the idea that he okay so he learned the tricks of the trade from jigsaw but he's mm-hmm. the one behind everything including like he's a sniper on the roof he's a sniper he shot the guy he, in the chest which makes no sense he's a, no he's him, but he, he's an audio editor uh, <laughs> he, he's an engineer he's a car he's a carpenter he's a mechanic he's he's everything yeah and a medical examiner. Let's not. And a medical, yeah, a licensed medical examiner who can go to his job daily. And an arguably shitty father. Yeah, but still a father because his daughter loves him. So he's able to spend enough time with her despite doing all of this in his free time. Like, I mean, what does he do for fun? You know, does he go out to movies or play Sudoku? Maybe he I don't watches. Know. He watches the other Saw sequels. Yeah, to get ideas. Wonder if he's excited about like Stranger Things on Netflix. You know, you wonder like what people do in their spare time. No, he's into Mind Hunters. Mind Hunters, sure, sure, sure. Makes more makes way more sense. <laughs> that show's pretty great. I yeah, I'm, I'm on episode eight. I'm getting there. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little behind you. I think I'm my like episode five or so. It's quite good. It's, <laughs> it's quite good. And yeah. I, I have one question uh-huh. um, that I'm hoping you can answer because you've seen the uh, first few films mm-hmm. um, very recently. So the big reveal where Jigsaw, John Kramer himself is there and he leaves a, a shotgun and says, you know, one of you guys are going to have to fight. Um, but he's working on some kind of handheld device that's built out of gears or something like that. And he carries it out with him. Uh-huh. They, I mean, they really labor on the, the shot of him. There's this device he's working on and then he wheels it out and he's like, OK, you two work it out. And then he leaves. He exits the film. And I was confused as to what that was. I was wondering if that was something they were leaving ambiguous because they were hoping to use it in a sequel that probably isn't going to happen. Or because, like, is that revealed, or is that like a device that appears in an earlier film and we're supposed to be like, oh, nice Easter egg. Do any of the films that you reviewed kind of address that? What I, 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 I couldn't, I can't remember what Jigsaw was holding exactly because I know they they put emphasis on him and Logan building the reverse bear trap trap um, right. later on and like at the yeah. end of the movie. And That's I, unbelievably I, iconic, right? Yes. And so I couldn't tell if it was either like a piece of that when they're like first building it to get like it was like just a part of that thing or if it was something else that was going on or what. No, I I, I couldn't tell you offhand if it was something that specifically referenced the other films. I I can't quite recall what it was or if it's just some other piece that leads up to another sequel so which again is a bummer i mean i really wanted this movie to deserve to make money which it doesn't um because i want them to keep making more i'm i'm down every year for another round of seven films well i mean they're not that expensive to make so it's like it's not out of the realm of possibility um at, at least in some form i mean for all we know this could go direct to video and they can just keep making them that way um, that would that would test my loyalty a little bit. I would say that in a different time, but given that I just I, you know two Chucky movies have come out in the past few years that are really good, I, I'm not against the idea of it just because there is a potential for quality. Um, yeah, maybe Netflix will pick it up. Yeah. Perhaps. Um, but yeah, I don't. Yeah. Stranger things have happened. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, I I do regret that it to me didn't have any memorable kills like it's got kind of a visually interesting one at the end where the head kind of flowers out but like the cgi isn't convincing enough when i think back on just some of the really great 
traps and great kills. This one just falls so, so falls short, uh, just so short in terms of not just gore factor, but, but like squirm factor, inventiveness. I just, there's nothing really all that memorable. What are your, what are your favorite ones of the series? Well, since you ask, um, oh, I don't know. I'd have to, you're not asking me to rank, right? I'm just, not asking you a full rank. I'm just asking what's, what's, what are the ones that like, where do I keep the, the ones that are? I like the, I like the pendulum. Well, not trap wise. I mean the films overall, but yeah, the traps too. What are your favorite traps? Okay. Um, okay well, uh, okay. Let me, I, so like I said, I love the twist from part four. I think that's, that's great. Um, I think two is really strong. Um, I actually was never a fan of three, but listening to you kind of describe it the way you did is making me rethink it. I'd certainly take another look. Um, three's the best to me because it's the best acted. I think it has the best character work yeah. of the series. It's also way too long, <laughs> but um, it's like it's like an hour and forty eight minutes. Like these movies need to be a tight ninety. Like I can't be sitting here watching all this go on for that long. But I don't I don't think I um, am as down on part five as you are. I, I'm not sure how I'd rank them. My problem with five is Hoffman. I think Hoffman's a ter- I think the uh, Costas. Andalore. Andalore. I think he's terrible. And I also think eight, the Strom, the cop that's against him, is also he's terrible. terrible. Really bad. I yeah. think they're both terrible. And so I have no real... Seeing a movie that's basically spy versus spy featuring these assholes, I don't care. <laughs> like, it just doesn't interest me that much. The traps, there's some good traps in five. I do give it... And the last thing in five, that's the one where like the walls close in on the guy. That's right. that's pretty good. Like I like that quite a bit. <laughs> There's nothing that's wrong. It's a good with ender. It. It's Wait, a good ending moment. Part five is the one with the pendulum trap, right? Because yes, probably, yeah. I part, like five, that part five part has some great traps in it. I give it that yeah. for sure. <laughs> I like the the one where the the key to his the head trap is like behind his eyeball, and he has to gouge his own eye out to yeah. get to it, and yeah, he fails. The Venus flytrap. Yeah, that's 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 the opener of two. That's the that's a good one. Um, another one in part two that I like is is not a like a death trap, but it's where uh, Amanda gets thrown into the pit of like dirty needles. Uh huh. I think that's that's a good one. I like the one where the machine is grinding up like pigs, pig pig corpses, and just like splashing the guts onto the character who's drowning in it. Like that's gross and squishy and and terrific. I think the uh, the carousel in six is pretty ingenious. Is that where he has to pick two, like two survivors? Pick two survivors on their shotguns, and it's like going in the round in circles. Like, okay, that's that's pretty gnarly. Um, the rack in three—that's where it's like it's twisting this guy's arms and his legs and his head, and it's like, okay, that's it's the one that like Jigsaw even says this is my particularly favorite one. Like, that's it's it's a okay. it's a pretty gruesome one. That yeah, I I've heard people say that's the one that really got to me and I, I don't i feel like that one wasn't it's a good one but i feel yeah. like that the people i've heard a lot of people refer to that one as the one that really t- took them over the line and yeah, the, i don't know it did that for me i like that as far as its mechanics the the, the traps that don't get to me are ones where it involves pulling stuff or or um um breaking thing like those are those don't do much for me as far as making me squirm it's stuff with like needles and knives that's that gets to me so like a needle pit or like guy putting his face through a bunch of knives like that stuff where like i feel like i feel it it's like okay like that that makes me squirm a bit yeah the ones that are like nickelodeon uh obstacle courses (laughs) 
aren't as interesting as just the ones that are just really raw and primal, which is like, you have 60 seconds. Can you dig out your own eyeballs? Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's just, that's, that's very basic and very primordial and, and, you know, and canny. And I think that's, those are the, those are the ones I like. There was another one where he has to pull fish hooks that have been ingested by this woman and he's got them on strings. I can't quite remember the scenario and she's not allowed to scream. Otherwise like these devices will puncture her or something like that. But that sounds like something out of 3d if I'm guessing. I I think so. Cause, cause it's the character who uh, has to go through all the obstacle courses for faking his survival story or something. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Powder. Yeah. That's 3d. Yeah. So, I mean that one just, just the, just the kind of, the graphic, the optics of just, you know, dragging a fish hook out of your esophagus is just so terrific and raw. And so I, I, I love the traps that go there. And all the more reason why I think it's really kind of significant and interesting that they've never gone genital. It just seems like such an obvious move. And the fact that they're like always avoiding it, um, was always interesting to me, but but this film is kind of lacking in anything that's like particularly awful or horrifying, and and that's you know it, it's I mean it's a solid R movie, but in the universe of the Saw standards, I feel like this is a PG thirteen almost. By comparison, yeah, I mean even the first Saw is not <laughs> that particularly vicious, but it's also a different kind of movie. Uh, I think yeah, your average episode of Walking Dead is more gory than uh, than the first Saw for sure. Than um, well, even this one and this one yeah also it's just kind of because you're dealing with dead corpses already for a lot of it so it's like they could do more the, the range is broader i guess what do you do in jigsaw yeah as i said i do like three and six yeah. as far as movies i do i think they, they stand out especially after watching three again um there's some there's some good stuff in there <laughs> like it, as far as it's plotting it's the way it even the twist is pretty it's a neat twist as far as like, cause they're, they're married. Like that's the thing. Like the, 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 yeah. the doctor and the main guy, Angus McFadden, who's going through the maze, like their husband and wife. It's a neat, there's a neat bit of withholding there that actually works um, for I, the characters involved with it. I actually remember now the reason why three didn't rank that high for me as I was kind of living through the series was because I called that twist really early in the uh-huh. film. So to me, that one didn't seem um, like it earned it. Fair, but you fair. know, if I go back and look at it, I don't, yeah. So that 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 was one of the ones I I called. Um, yeah. So I mean, that that's what I hold against part three. But I'll, I'll take another look when I get a chance. I think what you're saying to me gels really nicely with what I remember liking about it, and maybe maybe it's uh, worth another look. I remember the the impromptu like we're going to relieve pressure on your brain surgery scene was yep. really cool. I remember that very uh, specifically before I watched this movie again. <laughs> I was like, that's the one with the brain surgery. <laughs> Um, Yeah, I I like that stuff a lot in the series. And I think uh, the series kind of it's what kind of weighed down by its own gimmickry. But at the same time, it knows where to push certain buttons um, at its best. And that's ultimately what I think this one is lacking a bit. Well, I think we've sufficiently talked about Jigsaw and the Saw franchise. Um, Thank you, Mike, for uh, falling through on your desire to talk about this movie with me in some capacity. Thank you for indulging my my bloodlust. Yeah, for sure. Um, If there is another Saw movie, I'll be sure to reach out to you right away. We'll see what we can do as far as talking about it. 
Um, Listener, go support Jigsaw. Let's give it a sequel. <laughs> but uh, for now, um, I guess if you have any questions or any thoughts on what we've talked about for Jigsaw or the Saw series in general, feel free to email us at notpodcast at gmail.com. You can, of course, find our all the other episodes, our regular episodes over at iTunes and Audioboom. Uh, you know we can find our show over at Facebook and on Twitter. Mike, you're not available anywhere, so it doesn't even matter to say where you can be found. <laughs> but, um... Don't come looking. Uh, but you are welcome to be back on the show whenever uh, we make it work. Um, you can, of course, find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. You can find me on the thecodezeek.com writing there. And, yeah, I think that's going to do it for our special Halloween bonus Saw episode. So thank you once again, Mike, for joining me. Bye. And uh, yeah, until next time, so long and goodbye.